Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Money Matters Wealthy Thinking with Alfred Edmund Jr. Welcome to Money Matters Wealthy Thinking. I'm your host, Alfred Edmund Jr. Entrepreneurship and business ownership are still among the most important ways to build multi-generational wealth. In fact, in many ways, Wealthy thinking requires an entrepreneurial mindset. For this edition of Money Matters Wealthy Thinking, I'll be sharing some key advice for those who are on the path of entrepreneurship. Plus, you'll also hear part two of my conversation with one of the top personal financial educators in America. And in my book, the number one champion of getting rid of debt, Lynette Kalfani Cox. This highly sought after speaker and media expert is the author of several must-read books, including the best-selling classic, now in its third edition, Zero Debt. Also known as The Money Coach, Kalfani Cox shares more about the high price we pay when we are overburdened with debt. But first, between recently celebrating Small Business Week with frequent Money Matters Wealthy Thinking guest Melinda Small Biz Lady Emerson, and the upcoming 2018 Black Enterprise Entrepreneur Summit in Charlotte, North Carolina next month, I've been really focused on business ownership as a key to building wealth. If you're a business owner or you're about to get on the path to entrepreneurship, I've got some key advice that will help you to launch and sustain your business. First, it is critically important for you to invest in professional development as a business owner. In fact, I would go as far as to say that if you're not absolutely committed to continuing education and professional development, you shouldn't even be a business owner. Knowing how to build an app, design clothing, plan events, or do hair is not the same thing as knowing how to run a business doing those things. It's important to understand that entrepreneurship is a distinct and separate discipline, one that a business owner must be committed to learning and mastering in addition to their professional craft or area of industry expertise. That's why I so strongly recommend classes, whether online webinars or traditional workshops and courses that teach different aspects of running a business, from finances to marketing to management. It's also why I recommend books like Emerson's Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, still the best small business startup book I've ever read, as well as her new book, Fix Your Business, a 90-day plan to get back your life and reduce chaos in your business. It's also important to know that even when you achieve mastery with your business, the shelf life of that expertise gets shorter and shorter because changing is happening at an escalating rate. You are always only a few steps ahead of being obsolete. 
And the only way to stay ahead and on trend is to never stop learning and growing as a business owner. It's impossible to know enough to no longer need professional development and continuing education. If you ever feel that way, it may be time for you to just get out of the way and let someone else run your company, even if you have to sell it. Or just shut it down and move on to something you're passionate about learning and doing. Second, your biggest problem is not lack of access to capital. It's not having a real plan for what to do with capital if you were to get it. Yes, cash is still king, and I believe that what I call the democratization of capital access, such as crowdfunding and other alternative lending and funding sources, is a great thing, especially for startup entrepreneurs and small business owners who may not have the capacity or collateral to get traditional sources of capital. That said, the source of the capital will never be more important than why the business owner needs it because that has a lot to do with whether the people who have the money will consider that worth the investment risk. Remember, nobody, no matter how wealthy the person or institution, has money just laying around doing nothing. All money is being used for something, whether delivering returns via another investment vehicle, sitting in the bank as a form of security, or being set aside for retirement, or for gambling, or for partying. The question you have to answer is, why is your business a better use of that money? If you constantly need capital just to keep the doors open to your business, your problem is not the unavailability of capital. Your business should be generating enough cash flow to maintain operations and serve your customers. If not, any money loaned or invested in your business is just throwing good money after bad. On the other hand, If you can show that the loan or investment will actually help you to make even more money, perhaps by expanding your product line or opening a second location, then it's much easier to find the right sources of capital to help you to achieve that goal. Contributors to crowdfunding campaigns may be more forgiving in this regard. They may just invest because they like you or they like your business. But you can't even go to that well but so often before you exhaust that source. If you are constantly having cash flow issues, the answer for most businesses is not to find more capital. It's to understand why the business is eating more money than it's producing and then fixing that problem. Otherwise, your venture is just not investable. Finally, you need to understand that mentorship is absolutely critical to you as a business owner. You save a tremendous amount of time and energy, which adds up to money when you can draw on the experience and expertise of others, whether in your business or a related discipline or industry. But here's the thing. You don't find and choose your mentors. They find and choose you. However, they can't do that if you spend all your time locked behind the computer screen in your office or behind the doors of your business. You have to get out. You have to be visible and engage with those people who can bring value to you and your business and who can find value in you and what you have to offer that could benefit them. That is how healthy, mutually beneficial mentoring relationships, really all good relationships, are created. As a business owner, you should make time to attend at least one national or regional event for business owners every six months. And of course, I strongly recommend you join Black Enterprise at our annual Entrepreneur Summit, which will be held June 6th to 9th in Charlotte, North Carolina this year. 
In addition, you should attend at least one local networking event relevant to your business every month, as well as be an active member of Facebook and LinkedIn groups that can help you engage with people who have the information, resources, and connections to help you grow your business. Of course, you should always engage with the spirit of reciprocity. The best way to motivate people to want to help you win is for you to be consistent and sincere in your efforts to help them win too. Now, once you're around the right people, don't think people are going to fall all over themselves trying to mentor you. I can't speak for everybody, but I mentor anywhere from 20 to 30 entrepreneurs at any given point in time. Now, how did I choose them? They weren't just talking about what they were going to do. They were already doing it. I tend to mentor those who are acting on their plans and delivering measurable results. I'm attracted to entrepreneurs who have what we call a high say-to-do ratio at Black Enterprise. If one of my protégés says she's going to do it, it is almost certainly going to get done, with or without my help. My role as a mentor is to help her do it more successfully. It is not a mentor's job to get you into the game or to teach you how to play it. Mentors are not looking for people to rescue. They got children for that. If you want to attract mentors, you need to back up that desire with demonstrated, consistent, diligent, results-producing performance. Mentors like to have impressive protégés. Be impressive in how you handle your business, and you will attract entrepreneurs who want to see you succeed and are willing to mentor you. If you're serious about starting a sustainable business, you absolutely can do it successfully. Keeping the advice I've shared during this podcast in mind as you execute your plans will increase your odds of success. You're listening to Money Matters Wealthy Thinking. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. We'll be back in a moment. Support for Money Matters Wealthy Thinking and the following message come from State Farm, who knows that many Americans struggle with their finances and most have never been taught how to manage them. Starting today, State Farm wants to change that by giving people the tools, help, and education they need to take control of their money, putting financial well-being within the reach of everyone. Now you can find out more at letstarttoday.com. State Farm, here to help life go right. And now let's hear part two of my conversation with one of the top five personal financial educators in America, and in my book, the number one champion of eliminating and controlling debt, Ms. Lynette Kalfani-Cox. She is a former financial news journalist who now teaches individuals nationwide how to better manage their finances. Kalfani-Cox has appeared on hundreds of TV programs, including Oprah, The Talk, Dr. Oz, The Steve Harvey Show, The Today Show, and more. This highly sought-after speaker and media expert is also a New York Times bestselling author of several must-read books, including the classic Zero Debt, now in its third edition. Aptly known as the Money Coach, Kalfani Cox gives us a real wake-up call about the high price we pay when we're overburdened with debt. And I don't just mean financially. Debt is one of those areas where there's always a need for more help, more advice, more information. You know, we've just become such a huge nation of debtors at so many levels. 
And I think, however, the disproportionate impact that debt has on our lives for African Americans is so great. But a lot of people don't even realize the overall toll that debt is taking on your on their lives in, in a lot of different ways. You know. I agree. So let's talk about the five ways that debt is killing African Americans. Right off the top, people probably would be shocked to hear some of this, but when I said the ways in which debt is killing African Americans, I'm not just speaking figuratively. There's recent data that suggests our debt is killing us literally. So just this month in April 2018, there was a report in the Journal of American uh, Medical Association, and bottom line, the data show that anybody who has a sudden or sharp loss of wealth, they increase their chances of dying by 50% compared to people who are, you know, financially stable. But wow. even worse, those who are in debt already or who have no assets or negative net worth, they're 67% more likely to die than are people who are well off financially. So there's many reasons. When you're broken in debt, you don't have the resources for proper health care. You have higher stress levels, and that's one of the things I'm going to talk about. But there's a whole host of reasons, but the bottom line is that the numbers show that literally the more deeply indebted you are, the more likely you are to suffer a premature death. And that was kind of shocking to me, the way in which they were able to quantify it. But I think it should serve as a a wake-up call for a lot of us. I mentioned stress. This is another way in which we can see how debt is killing us. You know, various researchers have linked high consumer debt to higher levels of stress, higher blood pressure, and just worse overall general health. That was something that was found, for example, in this one study called the high price of debt. And so when you think about we know that stress is a killer already. Is there any stress that's worse for people than financial stress? Certainly relationship stress, loss of a loved one, for example, if a, uh, someone you know close to passes away, obviously that's you know kind of top of the list. But increasingly money-related stress is a huge challenge for so many folks in the country and especially for African Americans. The relationship stress is often the result of financial stress and vice versa. Correct. And often mm-hmm. when you lose a loved one, if you're not uh, in good financial health, the loss of that loved one makes the aftermath even more stressful financially. So all those things you're pointing out all have financial consequences that can make stress even more unhealthy and more compounded depending on your financial health. Correct. And can I show your audience and share with them another link on the relation front and the debt front and how it's killing us? Um, you very correctly pointed out that the relationship can get under stress when the money is is not there or when the there's financial um, uh, misbehaviors going on in the relationship or a couple is financially struggling together. We also know from a host of uh, studies and research that having debt problems also can doom a relationship. Having financial problems, having credit issues, et cetera, can be negative highly negative for relationships. And just here's just two quick little, um, you know, data points. Among couples that divorce, 70% of them cite financial battles and money arguments as one of the reasons for the breakup. So that alone shows you that, A, 
when people are under a huge amount of financial stress, it tends to cause conflict or friction or to amplify other problems in a relationship. And the result is, okay, potentially a, a breakup or a divorce. But now let's take it one step further. We also know that married people tend to live longer than others, right, than people yes. who are single. And it could be, you know, a whole host of reasons, having that partner there, somebody to look after you. You know, if you suddenly have a heart attack in your home and you're by yourself, well, good luck. But if you have a heart attack and your wife or your husband is right there, somebody to call 911, somebody to, you know, um, administer first aid, whatever, then that obviously could be a life-changing difference. So just the folks who have divorced who are now going to be um, potentially single, especially as they get older, you've heard about the so-called graying divorce in America, people who are um, getting divorced later in life or in their baby boomer years, et cetera, that actually does not bode well for their longevity. Second thing I wanted to highlight is credit and debt are the opposite sides of the same coin, right? The more debt that you're carrying, in terms of credit card debt certainly, the lower your credit score is going to be. Um, likewise, if you have debt that you don't have the financial wherewithal to pay on a timely basis, et cetera, that alone can hurt your, your credit score. And the Federal Reserve did some research uh, not too long ago, and they basically showed that couples who either fit into one of two categories were more statistically likely to divorce. The first group of couples were those who were a financial mismatch when it came to their credit scores. So one person might have had a very good credit score, a high credit score, 700, 750, or greater, and the other person might have had a low credit score, say a 550 or a 620. Well, those couples with that sort of credit score mismatch were statistically far more likely to break up than were wow. couples who, who both had uh, high credit scores or who had similar credit scores. So the, the couples who had similar credit scores were more likely to stay together across the board, even if they had bad credit scores. At least they were uh. kind of the same so the couples who had poor credit scores, they're going to be under stress and they're going to have other financial challenges, but presumably they're more sort of aligned, if you will, um, in terms of their outlook and, and uh, perhaps financial habits, et cetera. But just knowing that having this, that big disparity or having low credit scores in general, the couples who had low credit scores were statistically more likely to divorce as well. However, in general, statistically, the ones who had similar credit scores, they were like, okay, we're in this boat together, I guess. But it just right. goes to show you all of these things that we don't often talk about. People think about debt as having a financial impact on your life only. And, of course, you know, it keeps you from saving, from building retirement assets, from, you know, amassing net worth, et cetera. But all these other areas of your life where you're affected – are extremely important. And so, you know, the relationship front is one of them. Get more advice from Lynette Calfani Cox at askthemoneycoach.com. Also, check out moneycoachuniversity.com, a free enrollment video-based platform where you can get better educated about your money and finances. If you missed the first part of my conversation with Calfani Cox, check out Money Matters Wealthy Thinking, podcast number 35. Also, if you have any questions you'd like me to address, send an email to Alfred Edmund Jr. at gmail.com and I'll answer them on future editions of this podcast. 
that's Alfred Edmund Jr. at gmail.com. Or you can follow and direct message me on Instagram or Twitter at Alfred Edmund Jr. This is Alfred Edmund Jr. with Money Matters Wealthy Thinking. Be sure to check out my latest free ebook, Buy Love, Get Trouble, Sell Love, Get Screwed How Decisions in Pursuit of Sex, Love, and Relationships Impact Your Career, Business, and Financial Success at grownzone.com forward slash buy love, get trouble. And do not forget to subscribe to Money Matters Wealthy Thinking on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. at AURN.com. Thanks for listening. Come back for more next week. Money Matters Wealthy Thinking, a product of American Urban Radio Networks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 